Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hello, 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 and welcome to the podcast. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding, and I'm super excited that you stopped by today, so thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Um, and this whole month of December, so first off, happy Thanksgiving. I hope you guys all had a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving, um, and also happy December. It is our last month of 2020. All right, and to celebrate this entire month, I have a co-host on the show with me all month, and it is such a special co-host. She is amazing. You guys absolutely will love her, um, and you probably know her already as well. So I have Dr. Beverly Browning, the author of Grant Writing for Dummies, co-hosting the entire month of December on the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast. It is so awesome. Man, we have got amazing things in store for you all month, and we're going to kick it off this week at looking at red flags for nonprofits. So if you're looking to start up a nonprofit or to grow a nonprofit, or if you're a freelancer and you want to serve people, like this could be an additional service that you do to help nonprofits get started or to examine what might, might not be working for them, um, this episode is for you. This entire month is actually for you because we're gonna be talking about board of directors, we're gonna be talking about finances, how to have a healthy, diverse funding streams for nonprofits. We're also gonna be looking at uh, strategic planning for nonprofits. We're gonna to touch on branding even. We have so much in store for you throughout the month of December. So if you are not a subscriber to Grant Writing and Funding, please do subscribe so you get these delivered directly to your inbox. And you can also join me online at grantwritingandfunding.com to sign up for one of the many different free things I have, all the resources for you. All right, also, um, before I introduce Dr. Beverly Browning, I also want you guys to know, we will be talking about this throughout the show a bit, is her and I are putting together the Nonprofit Startup Academy. So this is fantastic. It's actually going to be a live course so we're going to be doing it over four weeks in January. So every single Thursday in January, we are gonna be um, doing a live training. So you can show up live, get the training, and then ask any of your questions. So we'll hang out for Q and A's, and then you're gonna have tons of resources. But if you wanna get a little bit more information about it, we are hosting a, a sneak peek behind the scenes. So we're gonna do a live sneak peek and that's coming up really soon. So if you wanna join that, please do sign up. You can head over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 147, that is today's episode. Um, and you can go ahead and click to register to sign up for our free sneak peek behind the scenes and live Q&A for the Nonprofit Startup Academy. And that will be on December 9th, which is a Wednesday at 3.30 Eastern Standard Time. So please do sign up for that. It's completely free. You can come check it out, ask some questions, see what we got going on so you can get some more information. We even have like so many things going on. So for January, each week, we're going to go over different items to start up a nonprofit or grow one. Um, once again, if you're a freelancer, this is another 
service that you can provide. Um, we're also giving away a Chromebook like, for the people that show up during, during uh, the actual course. So if you want to register for that course, it is going to be amazing. So do um, check it out. We'll definitely be talking about it today. So it might answer some of your questions as well. But in any case, wonderful resource. I'm super excited about Dr. Beverly Browning. Her and I actually became friends about a year ago. Um, and it's just been amazing. We, we connected on LinkedIn. Um, I had her on the podcast, got to know her. We've been collaborating on some items. We've been just, I mean, she's just an amazing person, amazing mentor. She's been writing grants for decades, for 40 years plus. So she is just an amazing resource and I'm very blessed and honored to have her co-host in December for me. And I think you guys are gonna get so much value out of these episodes. So um, definitely, definitely, definitely um, a good blessing for all of you as well. I'm, and like I said, I'm super honored. So just to give you a little background of Dr. Beverly Browning, she has been in consulting in the areas of grant writing, RFP responses, technical writing, and organizational development for over four decades. Her clients have included nonprofit organizations, small businesses, career, volunteer, and combination fire departments, chambers of commerce, faith-based organizations, and more. She has assisted clients and workshop participants throughout the United States in receiving awards of more than $500 million. She is also the author of 43 grants-related publications, including six editions and over 1 million books sold of grant writing for dummies. She is also an international trainer and keynote speaker. Dr. Browning also holds graduate and postgraduate degrees in organization development, public administration, and business administration. She has been a grant writing course developer and online facilitator for uh, ed2go.com for 17 years. Her online courses taught to thousands of students annually are advanced proposal writing, becoming a grant writing consultant, and A to Z grant writing part two beyond the basics. Dr. Browning is also founder and director of the Grant Writing Training Foundation and CEO for Bev Browning LLC. She is a 17-year member of the Grant Professionals Association and has presented training workshops and keynote presentations for multiple GPA chapters US-wide. Dr. Browning has also been married for more than 53 years to John, has one daughter, Laura, a licensed therapist, and a special needs granddaughter. All right, so without further ado, I welcome on Dr. Beverly Browning onto the show. And as we talk about the red legs of nonprofit startups, as I have back on the show, Dr. Beverly Browning. Yay! She is the author of Grant Writing for Dummies, and she has a million other things. You've been grant writing since, since I was born, actually, which is amazing to me. Like, you have so much experience. You are a guru in this space and you're also a mentor and a leader to me. Like I just, I always look up to you to everything you're doing. So I'm super excited you're back on the show. So thank you so much. It's so exciting to be here, Holly. When I'm around you, when we're doing this together, I just feel like I'm energized all over again to come up with new ideas, write new books, create new classes. You are inspiring. Thank you for inviting me to talk today. Thank you so much. Now I'm blushing. So, I mean, let's see, we're also on YouTube at Grant Writing and Funding, but yeah, if you're listening to the podcast, yeah, I'm definitely blushing right now. So, so thank you so much. So yeah, I'm, and I'm really excited. Um, like you said, you know, we, we have been working together. So we've met over a year ago um, and happy birthday again, because it was right after your birthday last year that we met. Thank you. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, we're, I got you on the show is fantastic. It's one of the most popular podcasts that we've had. So definitely you guys are going to want to check it out. Um, but I wanted to go ahead and, you know, talk about, we do have the nonprofit startup Academy coming up. So yes. that is something people, if you want to sneak peek behind that, it's going to be a Wednesday, December 9th at 3.30 Eastern Standard Time. And you can definitely go to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 147 to get the full link and to sign up. But we're going to do a sneak peek because like we were talking, like how can we, you know, we serve a lot of the same needs, grant writers, freelancers, et cetera. And we both said, well, we also, you know, get a lot of questions from people who want to start a nonprofit, right? So it was just really cool to say, what can we do for them? Because we don't specifically each have courses developed for that yet. So how can we kind of work together? I have seen so many new nonprofits, talk, spoken with them, met with them. And Holly, I've just seen so many red flags that led mm -hmm. me to believe that we really do need that January Nonprofit Startup Academy. Yeah. It's four weeks and it's jam-packed. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I want to talk about are the red flags that mm -hmm. I see mm -hmm. in a lot of startup boards. Um, they're fragile, um, friends, family members. Mm -hmm. And everybody has this passion because they know the person who's founding it and they've had this dream and they want to do it. And they've talked about it for a long time. And now it's a resolution. You know mm -hmm. what? On January 1st, I'm going to file my nonprofit papers online instead of recovering from the traditional January 1st hangover from New Year's Eve. <laughs> so now they're going to have a new nonprofit and this mm -hmm. idea just perks and brews. But unfortunately, Ah, red flags, it doesn't brew long enough because all these ideas are just bursting in the founder's head, but they forget that the board is their foundation. It's their backbone. It's their bridge, their connector to everything that's going to come to them. So when we have board members and they just kind of are like, um, oh, scoops of ice cream, nice and sweet, showing up all the time, or mm, lumps of mashed potatoes, just sitting there, not moving even if you shake the plate. Well, we can't even pour hot gravy on them to give them CPR because we chose <laughs> the wrong board members. So I just want everybody to know, don't start putting your board together yet until Holly and I have a chance to train you. That's right. That's right. And I love that. The red flags, right? And as we're moving into 2021, like a lot of people are so excited about it, right? Like it seems like a turning point for so much in the world. But a lot of people that is, that's a plan, like let's start a nonprofit and you're right, they're passionate, right? They're, they wanna get this going. They've been thinking about it. Maybe they have a personal reason for it. Usually that's the case, right? Um, and they're really wanting just to hit the floor running, but then they come up against maybe, oh, I realize I have to file paperwork or I've got to do things or I have to get documents in order. And then it can kind of just kill their dreams real quick, right? So that's one thing like I see quite a bit is just like, and then coming and saying, hey, but how can I do this? And um, so what are, what are some of those red flags? And you're saying you see a lot of the red flags and we're talking about red flags today with starting a nonprofit. So like, what are some of the main ones that you have seen over the years of your work and, and your expertise with working with nonprofits? Okay, the first one I would describe as founder with a vision, but somewhere the vision fell off the cliff. Mm. Here's the question that comes to me a lot. Should I file my nonprofit 
as a C Corp or an S Corp. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like speechless. And it's like, seriously, it's a 501c3 tax exempt organization. It goes under other. It is not a C Corp or an S Corp. And don't make the mistake of filing that, especially with your state uh, corporate commission office, because now you have to change everything once you do that. So be very careful. That's the big red flag. Another red flag. Oh, my family members want to be on the board. Um, My friends want to be on the board. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I know they'll work hard. I know they'll help me realize my dream. Well, that lasts all of about 60 days before they stop showing up at board meetings, virtual or in person, Mm -hmm. before they're not, you know, available anymore. And suddenly you're not even having those friend type conversations like, hey, what are you up to today? Want to get together? They just want to avoid you because they think you're going to ask them to do something else for this nonprofit. And they have a life. They have a family. They have a job. They have all these other stresses in their life. And they just wanted to please you when they said, yes, they'd be on your board. Those are some red flags, big red flags. I know that you love these people, but they're not the right board members to start out with. And Holly and I are going to talk about that on our very first Nonprofit Startup Academy program on January 7th, so that you start out with all these ideas that we give you to choose the right board members. Yeah, it's really important. I mean, uh, you know, not only, and I know you're going to go into more depth in the Nonprofit uh, Startup Academy on this about not just selecting your board members, like you're talking about today, you have to be very strategic in selecting board members, but also in removal of board members. Like sometimes there is going to be, you know, that time when you might have to remove them and you need to have things in place. Otherwise that can be really messy. It can be difficult. It can be uncomfortable, you know, but you have to think about your nonprofit, right? So to really articulate what, how is it serving the nonprofit? And, you know, just to kind of uh, talk about that a little bit more, I've seen that so much as well, Dr. Bev, like I have seen, um, you know, the issue of, I don't know how to start the nonprofit. Like you said, what type of filing should I do it? And it is, it's a nonprofit. It's, you know, to, with the IRS, it's tax exempt. So if you're filing at as, as a business, that's not correct. So I love that just tr- straight out of the gate. Like here are some very tangible things, right? To know, but also as far as, um, you know, what types of, I've seen so many families um, start nonprofits together. And it's just, you know, I've seen friends and I've seen it fall apart. I've seen relationships fall apart because of it, just like you're saying. So it really, and you know, it's hard sometimes. So some people will say, but these are the only people, you know, my family members are the only ones who are really interested. I'm really having a hard time finding board members that are also passionate about this. Um, So what would you kind of say to that? I would say that The tunnel vision is what zeroed you in on choosing people that would think your way, vote your way, and always keep you in the seat as founder, Mm -hmm. CEO, and executive director. That sounds perfect, but there's a conflict of interest there because you need people that bring 
all kinds of thoughts to the table. Mm -hmm. And if you are the founder and three years from now, you're just burying your own nonprofit in the ground with all your decisions. Do you want that board that just lays down and you roll over them flat and they don't stop you in order to save this program to serve the community? Or do you want the board that's educated, that's financially able to support it, that will speak up and say, because they've been on other boards and they have experience, stop. There's some red flags here, and this is going to ruin the organization, and we're going to end up closing the doors. Yeah. So while you want to hear all the good stuff, mm -hmm. that shouldn't be happening. You've got to just step out there and get out of your little box or cube that you call the safety zone of those that love me and will never vote no on anything I want to do, mm -hmm. and bring people in who will vote no and stop you from running the train off the track. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so good. And it is, it's really important to have the checks and balances within a nonprofit. So I love that because, you know, a lot of people, they might want to start it. And then, like you said, they're the founder, uh, then maybe they're the chair of the board and they're just, they, they don't want any opposition and they just want to run it. And then they're not really getting a good view. And I know something you're, you're going to be touching on too, is like a matrix, right? Having a good matrix and different skills on your board. And that's how you can really birth more diversity. So this is great. And I love that you're really going to delve into board um, development and board training, or especially looking at the board, because there's so many problems that trickle from this kind of hierarchy position or this, this place where the vision is birthed and breathed. And, you know, that's where the life really comes from is the board. Um, so that's so important. But what other red flags do you have you seen quite a bit for nonprofits besides just uh, where to start and board board development, you know, that sort of thing. That the nonprofit founder or CEO fails to recognize that the board has to be protected from all fiduciary responsibilities and decisions that they make at board members. And that happens with insurance, liability insurance. Mm -hmm. There's actually liability insurance out there for board officers. And that's important because if the nonprofit makes a wrong move financially with a contract or a grant or um, unallowed expenditures because they just weren't in the guidelines when they applied for the money and now they're saying you know well we can't just go out and buy a satellite dish you don't have a program that's delivering something internationally so mm -hmm. the board becomes responsible and that means the board can be sued literally mm -hmm. they can be sued for their personal and professional assets their homes their bank accounts everything else can be forfeited to the court in a judgment against the nonprofit. so if you're going to be raising some seed money up front that seed money shouldn't be so you can write your first paycheck as the CEO <laughs> or executive director. That mm -hmm. seed money should be to get the insurance on the board to protect them. That mm -hmm. is the umbrella that is needed, and it's a responsible decision that should be made by the executive director, the CEO, mm -hmm. the founder. But no, everybody's interested in, you know, when can I get my first check? How will I be paid? When the grant comes in, can I write it for my year-long payroll? No, no, and no. Mm -hmm. Not unless you like going to prison or jail. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good to say. Good to know. No, no, this is really great information because these are the things that we've heard again and again and again, right? And when people are looking to start up a nonprofit or they just, they started it, but they haven't done all the things to really make it legitimate, right? Or they're wanting to help other people to do it and they just don't know how. So do you see other red flags as far as um, like bylaws, articles, um, you know, those sort of documents? 
She's I waving do. her red flag. <laughs> she actually has one, you guys. It's awesome. <laughs> bylaws are supposed to be the bye-bye laws when you want to get rid of a board member. And if you don't have a bylaw section that addresses term limits, being able to rotate into different positions, and what is what has to happen for a board member to be sorry. The board has voted based on the bylaws that, you know, we can no longer have you be a part of our membership because you violated this, 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 and this. It could be bylaws about number of missed meetings in a row, mm -hmm. number of missed meetings in a year. Um, could be bylaws about doing something that is unethical yeah. that comes yeah. back to reflect upon the nonprofit. Um, like you're the treasurer, so you write out a check for something without asking the board to vote on it and approve it because you thought that the nonprofit needed this $5,000 sign out front on the building and everybody knew that it was happening when the sign maker came and they had the crane up and they were mounting it. And it's like, who's doing that? Did somebody donate that? Where did it come from? Hey, we had 7000 in the bank and now 5000 has gone. What can we do about the treasure? That could have been covered up front in the bylaws mm -hmm. okay you don't have a board president that sits in that position for 18 to 20 years because they do a good job everybody needs a chance to rotate yeah. and you need to figure out who stays who goes how do we have this conversation mm -hmm. literally so you've got to join us so you can figure out how to get rid of a board member when mm -hmm. you've already gone too far down the road with a board that's not so functional. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other part of it, which I know you don't want to hear when you're the founder, but it's also how to get rid of an executive director who's not doing the job. Right. No, and that that's so good. And those will be some of the downloads that we provide are um, articles of incorporation and bylaws. So those are you guys, man, it's better than trying to Google and put things together that you think might work. Right. So we'll give you the templates that have been used um, and proven to be used well. Um, but yeah, it's important. I also, you know, note that if you don't have the number of meetings um, in your bylaws, like sometimes people will just, you know, they're just meeting their, their board members might just meet twice a year. And it's like, well, is that really enough? Right? So those types of things to say, are the number of meetings adequate? Are you actually meeting often enough? Um, you know, those types of things, the number of board members. So all of those things can be really articulated within your bylaws to show you know, especially as a new president comes on or whatnot, they have, there's there's actually a, a roadmap, right? It's a roadmap for your nonprofit, so, and for your board. Um, and also even things of, as far as I know a lot nowadays are more and more people are saying the board is, um, will commit to raising a certain amount of funds, you know, to help the nonprofit. So those are all things that you just wanna have in place. So when you ask someone to participate in your board, there's already something spelled out, right? And it's not just like, oh, it's all new knowledge. <laughs> oh no. So do you wanna kind of touch on that? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So another red flag is when not only is the founder, CEO, executive director cash strapped, but everybody on the board is cash strapped too. So how are you going to have a give or get policy where the board is able to commit to giving a certain amount per year if they have no discretionary dollars to give? If they yeah. can hardly keep the electricity on and the roof over their head, then how are they going to help build the nonprofit? So it's like 10 poor mice 
can't figure out how to get the cheese. <laughs> and some of those mice need to come on with some skills in getting the cheese mm -hmm. previously, previous board experience, previous commitment, previous writing out a check or going out and finding the money or raising it through some kind of an event. Mm -hmm. But you have to be able to support the organization if you're a board member. I just joined a board. And in order to join it, um, I'm a founding member. In order to join it, I had to make an upfront commitment to be a part of that board. Mm -hmm. And it took a lot of thinking on my part and investigating and, and saying, you know, is this what I really want to do? Is this what I want to invest in? Is this where my future is for the moment? Mm -hmm. So board members shouldn't just say new board members or potential board members shouldn't just say, yes, yes, I'll be on their board. They should be vetting the nonprofit as much as the nonprofit should be vetting them. Absolutely. I love that. You know, it, it is, it's something to say, but if you don't have those things as your nonprofit doesn't have like, well, these are the expectations of the board members. Um, these are also their rights, right? They, they have the right to look at the bylaws. They have the right to look at all the finances, all of these things. And then the responsibilities um, to raise um, a certain amount of money and, or to help, right? That could be helping with fundraisers. It doesn't necessarily mean they need to give their own personal money, but, you know, to bring in a certain amount of uh, cash flow and have those resources available. So to really help with a fundraiser or whatnot. And also what kind of expectations, number of meetings to show up, about how much time it's going to take out of their lives, all of those things you know and then for them to really then you're actually gonna have so going back for those people who are like I, it's hard for me to even find board members actually once you have more stipulations and you have more of a roadmap in place i feel like you actually have an easier time finding board members because it's very clear you know so maybe it's not super easy still but if you can get people on and really understand your passion and then you say these are the expectations then it's it's it for people to join it's not just a warm body in the seat then they actually are going to be okay, they're going to think about it. They're really going to know what they're going to be a part of and they're going to know what those expectations are. So they're really going to step up and be active on that board, right? So I think that is also that, that kind of balance. You are so correct, Holly. <laughs> the average board member who's committed and rolls their sleeves up to go to work spends an average of 10 to 15 hours a month doing something on behalf of that nonprofit. There's just so many things to do and they're all on the board member's job description hear that board members job description <laughs> she had like a red the red flag <laughs> founder has a job description board members have a job description and it really needs to spell out what's expected of them and they need to sign off on it before they commit to accepting a nomination to be on the board Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's so good. So, okay, so that we talked about the red flags, uh, really a lot about the board, because it really is important. And those are a lot where we do see the red flags. What about other red flags as far as finances or, and we talked about insurance a little bit, like that's really important. Um, are there any other red flags that you kind of see often? Yes, unbelievable expectations that the minute that a nonprofit that's new gets their 501c3 letter, that the grant money is just going to rain all over them, literally, like mm -hmm. gold from the sky. It's hard work. Mm -hmm. It's like climbing a mountain with no cleats, no hiking shoes, no axe or pick, just yeah. sliding up and coming down, sliding up and coming down and getting a lot of bruises on the way up 
been getting a lot of bumps on the way down. There is a process, and Holly and I are going to talk about that in week three of our Nonprofit Startup Academy. Mm-hmm. And it is, where do you get funding when you're a brand new nonprofit? You're the new organization on the block. And the other red flag is your idea, if it's not a unique idea for a service that already isn't happening, or there's a segment of people in the community or animals that are being left out of traditional services, that's where your nonprofit vision should land. You shouldn't say, oh, we want to do the same thing that those other 12 organizations are because they got a lot of grant money. So we're Mm -hmm. going to do that too, because guess what? Those 12 organizations are like boxers in the boxing ring all at the same time, tugging back and forth, punching each other, because only one may get the grant from the community foundation mm-hmm. or from that corporate sponsorship. And the right. other ones just wait until their year could be year two, year three, year five, year eight, year 10 when they come around. So mm-hmm. do something unique. Don't replicate. Create. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, that's one thing um, I always talk about, too, is really finding the need, because sometimes what you may think is a need or a gap in the community isn't really true, right? So when you really look around and see, well, there are certain organizations filling that need, and they're filling that gap, and they are receiving the monies, and they have the relationships with the founders already. And if you just replicate a program already, funding sources are going to be a little confused, right? They're going to be like, well, we already give for that. And there's already credibility built up among a nonprofit to do that. However, finding a gap, you know, you can, right? You can find something, maybe there, it's still a gap in a certain way that you can fit, right? You can fill that gap. Um, so, yeah, but I definitely agree with you, like thinking right away that you're going to get, you know, millions of dollars in grants, like straight out of the gate is really, <laughs> I'm not sure why it exists, but it exists. There's a big, that's <laughs> a huge red flag. <laughs> so you definitely need to um, know that you're going to start, you know, small, you're going to build your credibility, you're going to build your relationships and all of that and build your funding streams and really see what works, right? So um, that's really important. And to know that it's going to take time and to stay committed. So once again, that goes back to the board members, finding really good board members that can be helpful and that will understand that it's going to take some work and it's going to take some dedication to really make it work. So, oh my gosh, so many red flags that we've covered today. I think these are so many questions and I love it that we both have been getting for so long and so often, right? When people are, these are the main ones that I hear too. Are there any other ones that you hear that you want to touch on? Any other red flags that kind of pop up? Yeah, quick money. Quick Quick money, money, literally. I'm waiting for my 501c3 letter to come back. It's due back any day now. Um, I paid someone $2,000 to file it for me online. She's red, we're flagging. <laughs> and now we're looking for a grant writer. <laughs> and we're going to pay that grant writer from the money that he or she brings in. Oh, yeah, can't do that. <laughs> so, uh, so what is it that you need grant funding for? Oh, just everything. We need a million dollars by September. Mm. Okay, it's May. <laughs> Did you mean September of 2022 or 2023? Because it's not going to happen mm. <laughs> in 2021, literally. Right. 
um, you have to realize that everything takes time and your mm -hmm. nonprofit has to prove that it can breathe on its own without the life support of these huge grants that you anticipate. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying to the founders out there and the visionaries, know what your chances are of still being around after year two, year three, even at the end of year one, Yeah. because yeah. your board and you, you're going to have to hustle. You're going to have to hustle and find seed money, be able to get uh, special events planned where you have revenue from admission or ticket sales, mm -hmm. uh, have mm -hmm. some other, some other kind of like a, you know, maybe a thousand dollar a table dinner as a fundraiser for capacity building, but you're going to have to have something before grants become something that you're eligible to apply for. So please keep all these things in mind. We're not trying to squash your dream. We're trying to keep the, green, the dream growing gradually at a safe pace mm -hmm. while you do all your homework and the board does all of its footwork. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. So it, it is, it's, um, that's a common mis misconception. I hear so much as a grant writer is Holly, can we just, um, you know, nonprofits will come to me and Holly, can we just hire you? And, but we'll just pay you with, you know, percentage of the grant that gets awarded. And, you know, I know we've both had to have a conversation so many times, like you have to educate the nonprofit sometimes. So to say that that's actually, you know, against best practices and it can't be done, you know, to pay for pre-work from a grant, right, from any percentage, because grants are, there's budgets that you have to pay for for post-award um, items and it's for specific projects. And also it's the time that the grant writer puts in, they are creating a product. And even if that grant does not get awarded, that grant can be resubmitted. Again, it could be resubmitted to other places. It could be pulled from to put stuff on website for copy. It can be, there can be so many things that are done from that product. So, you know, that's one thing I always have to tell people again and again, well, A, you can't do that. <laughs> B, like, you know, it is my time and it's a product, even if it doesn't get awarded. And I never can guarantee funding because there are so many you know, there's just so many things that go into it, right? As grant writers, we can't just, oh yeah, we guarantee if we write this grant, it's gonna get funding. No, we never say that. So that's another red flag. If somebody says that, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, nope. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Ethical grant writers don't say they're gonna guarantee anything. Mm -mm. And I might add that grant writers who can really help you get grant funding, they're gonna also mentor and coach you into making initial contact with potential funders and building a relationship yeah. so that nothing goes out with a cold request. You can't yeah. just write one proposal, make 20 copies, put them all mm -hmm. in the brown envelopes and think you're mailing them in the mailbox because they may as well blow in the wind like a loose deck of cards. They're yeah. not going anywhere. So there's so money. much you can learn <laughs> from an ethical grant professional and we're not cheap. Mm -hmm. Someone said the other day, I paid a grant writer $400 to write a grant for me and now I can't reach them. They're not answering their telephone. I think it's been disconnected. The email is coming back. I think they shut it down. And I never did get a copy of my application, but they said they submitted it for me and the money should be on the way. Okay, hello, hello, hello people. Uh, don't be gullible. Don't jump on the first train of an unexperienced, unethical, I'm going to call myself a grant writer today and a doctor tomorrow, some kind mm. of a person like that. 
because you're just going to lose your money. And then when you actually come upon someone of quality like Holly and myself and what we do for our clients, first of all, it's not going to be $400 or less. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And secondly, you're going to tell us you don't have the money to pay us. And we want to help you. We really want to help you. But guess what? If we turn the lights out, ah, look what happens. We can't pay our bills because you didn't pay us. So literally, we pay bills, you pay bills, we're one of your bills. Just put us in the budget when you're planning with your board ahead of time on what that first year operating budget is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's such a good explanation. So many red flags. So we talked about red flags today as far as what you should even file for when you're wanting to open your nonprofit or start it. We talked a lot about the different board of director red flags, um, and those are really important. You can see how they're uh, integrated into everything that we talked about today. Um, and then we've also talked about red flags as far as finances and just the myths surrounding some of the things <laughs> with grants and paying grant writers. So these are fantastic red flags. Um, and just to touch on, you know, once again, we will be talking more in depth about all of these with templates in the Nonprofit Startup Academy, which is actually, it's a live course, which is really fun. It's going to be four series. So once a week uh, for an entire month, the entire month of January, and then you're going to be able to show up for the training and it's going to be live. Um, Both of us will be on the call, of course, and then we'll be doing Q&As for all of this as well. So you get templates, you get training, and you get live Q&A. So definitely, if you are interested in that, please do join. Um, We're going to do the sneak peek so you can get behind the scenes more on the sneak peek on December 9th, um, which is a Wednesday at 1.30 um, Arizona time or 3.30 Eastern Standard Time. And we're gonna go more in behind the scenes. And if this, you've already come and it's past, you know, it's middle of December and you're listening to this now or watching this video now, that's fine. You can definitely check us out on grantwritingandfunding.com. I'll have all of the links there, or you can jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 147 to today's episode, where I'll also have all of the links so you can be sure to check it out, sign up, get all of the things that you need to successfully run and start and grow a nonprofit organization. So you can just definitely streamline it, take away the barriers of time, right? Trying to find out all these things and Google them on your own and maybe not get the best advice, Um, but you can have it all within a month of time that we do the training. Did you wanna uh, say anything else about that, uh, Dr. Bev? I just wanted to say, don't jump ahead too quickly. Mm-hmm. Wait until you've taken the Nonprofit Startup Academy before you really sit down and start thinking about how you want your nonprofit to be successful from day one. Yes, yes, that's so good. All right, well, we will continue our series. So throughout the entire month of December, we're having a series on the podcast, Grant Writing and Funding, to uh, just go behind the scenes and more about the Nonprofit Startup Academy and to cover uh, just anything to do with nonprofits that we have. Like today, we covered the red flags. We're going to be talking about strategic planning a bit next week and so on throughout the entire month. So please do subscribe so you can be updated. Thank you so much again, Dr. Beverly Browning, for being on the show. And I'm super excited to share the entire December with you. Thank you, Holly. I can't wait for sneak peek and I'm doubly excited for January when we give them all these resources and information every week. Absolutely. All right. I will see you next week. Thanks. 
I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode today. And for all the show notes, please do visit grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 147. Also be sure to sign up for our sneak peek of the Nonprofit Startup Academy. And if you love this episode, please do me a favor and leave a review on iTunes or on your podcast player. And be sure to subscribe. All right, guys, I'll see you next week as we continue our co-hosting with Dr. Beverly Browning.